With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! Keep the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. Can't see him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your next host as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Joining me, me in the studio, Seth Eggert, Richard Uden, Louise Torres. Guys, how we doing? Doing well. Good, thank you. Doing All right, so... So after, you know, months and months of an occasional race here and there, we, we finally had all the major series in action on the same weekend, uh, it's some of them at the same track. Uh, so uh, very, very exciting 4th of July weekend, lots of race action to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, a uh, big news story that broke today, um, Fernando Alonso, who likes to have his name in the news, you know, for lack of a better word, um, is set to... Sign with Renault for next year is is the hot rumor. It's not 100% confirmed, but uh, every you know everything is leaning that way. And this is the same guy who said, "I'm not going to come back to Formula One unless I have a chance uh, at being World Drivers Champion." And well, you know, conventional wisdom would tell you that Renault's seat ain't ain't it. So uh, I know now, Louise. I know you wanted to chime in on uh, Alonso and his 2021 plans. Yeah, it makes you wonder what kind of decision-making is it that you see Alonso going back to a third stint in Renault. And, yes, it is going to be a third stint in Renault should he, once this becomes official. And at the same time, you've got to look at him probably establishing Ocon a bit. Should Ocon stick around in 2021? Because you're obviously going to lose Daniel Ricciardo, who's going to McLaren. Renault is in a weird spot right now. And one person told me in particular, what does this mean for the junior formula program where they're kind of in the rocks, kind of like with Red Bull with some of their formula, junior formula kids, as far as where are they going to end up if the main coveted prize, which is to be an F1 team for that particular program, is being taken by a former world champion that's been on and off racing elsewhere and not shown strong results in the latter part of his career. Um. Ocon is contracted for next year, so Renault have their driver lineup sealed for 2021. Now, I mean, Alonso is going to sign. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be it'll be good for Ocon's part to get somebody that has won a world championship compared to when he was running for, for the then known Forcinia with Sergio Perez, who has shown flashes yeah. of brilliance. But you're you're talking about a former world champion. With a lot of Perez is a is a you know yeah Perez is at the, the the sort of middle top of the B category of drivers. I think isn't he? Yeah, um, for sure. You know, that's not no disrespect to him. Goodness me, he's you know, but he's he's not in a Verstappen Hamilton. Um, league, you know, for, for want of a better word, Leclerc league. So, yeah. um, you know, he's doing a solid job. Uh, I, I think the, I think Alonso has basically taken a, you know, a bit of a hail mary on this, is to see what happens in 2022 uh, when the new regulations come out. At the time, he'll be 40 going into that season, um, finishing that season at 41. So he's certainly, you know, he's not a, he's not going to be young. But I think. Uh, he, he's, uh, you know, he, he does a lot of fitness training. He works out very hard. He's um, like all the drivers do. So I don't think age is going to be an issue for him. Um, I'm a little bit surprised if you see. You'd have thought, you know, now ideally looking back on it, he would have taken, he would have retired when he left Ferrari and then come back, you know, two or three years ago, rather than having those four years at McLaren where they sort of looked like a duck out, you know, a fish out of water. Um, so it's an interesting move. It's great for the sport, I think, from a uh, what you call it, you know, a, um, from a viewership you know, standpoint. Should yeah, in case if battles to come back, yeah, in a romance sort of standpoint. You yeah, know. It's, it's always good to have the, those marquee names in the sport too. You yeah, know? and and the, the drivers' market is still up in the air a little bit. You know, neither Hamilton or Bottas signed for Mercedes next year. Um, and Vettel's still Red out there. Bull don't. Yeah, Red Bull only have Verstappen signed for next year. Alpha Turi don't have any drivers confirmed, which is not unusual, but they've got a pretty, they've got their own pool to pick from. Um, and I mean, there's, there's a you know, there's another C, Williams. I, I imagine that the will keep that say there though, as as his father's rumored to be uh, about to invest quite heavily in the team. So, uh, you know, there's there's three or four. I'd say there's three. There are two main seats still available. Uh, I think Hamilton is going to re-sign at Mercedes. Are they going to re-sign Bottas? Because Bottas has turned around and said he doesn't want another one-year extension. He says, if I get a new deal, it's going to be a two- or three-year deal because I don't want that constant mid-season. Now, this year, obviously, is a bit of an unusual one with the timing of it, but he doesn't want that you know, mid-season pressure on him, which is where he thinks it's affected him in the past. He wants... Uh, here, Valtteri, his two-year, three-year contract. Yeah, you can't blame you know, the guy for wanting. Yeah, no, of one, course yeah, not. Can't, can't blame him but at all. Maybe that, that is a lot of pressure maybe, on being a year-to-year. But if Mercedes don't want to give him that, then how is that going to work? Maybe there's a swap. I may, maybe Russell goes to Mercedes and Bottas goes back to Williams if Mercedes don't want to give Bottas a long-term deal and would, you know, because if they tie Hamilton to again, I imagine if Hamilton resigns, it's going to be a two or three-year deal. So if they sign both of their seats up for two or three years, then, I mean, I know he's young, but where does that leave George Russell? Where does that leave Ocon? Even though Ocon isn't contracted to Mercedes anymore, he's still contracted, or he's still Toto Wolff, is still his agent, I believe. So there's a lot going on there. Um, and also, the, you know, Mercedes have still talked about uh, Stoffel van Dorn with him being one of their Formula E drivers. Um, but again, I can't, I'd be surprised if that happened. So it's going to be really interesting to see 
how those dynamics work and how Alonso coming in affects what other people do. Um, it's going to be an interesting silly season for another bit of yeah, work. It's, it's, well, it's already been an interesting silly season before the season started, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, when, when, you, when, when you consider really. some of the moves that are already made. But uh, mm-hmm. so, well, I, I was going to kind of format the show in, in the order the race has happened. But yeah, as long sure. as we're talking about <laughs> Formula One, well, let's go, let's go ahead and talk about the Grand Prix. It's been yep. quite a while since we've had a Grand Prix since the end of really? last year. Um, Formula the longest- One last. 200 and something days, which is the longest break between Formula One races in 70 years. Yep, yeah, ever, ever. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, so we, we ran in Austria, um, and yeah. there were a lot of. Uh, it was an interesting race. Um, you that, know, yeah. was it was it a good race? Oh yeah. You know, it was very. It was interesting. It was different. Um, and of course, uh, Valtteri Baltas uh, came home the winner. Um, Hamilton mm-hmm. had had. A few issues over the weekend, uh, resulting in a few different penalties. Starting with the grid penalty, and then then a time penalty during the race. Uh, so he, where where did Hamilton end up? I know he he finished uh, fourth. He finished second, second on the track the road, on track, fourth, but yeah. fourth in results. So uh, yeah. So uh, when you guys want to kind of kind of take us through the highlights of the uh, the Grand Prix in Austria? Yeah, I, I think that the, the main thing that I took away from this race is, is how great these old tracks are. You know. Austria, one ring or Red Bull ring, whatever you want to call it now, it's an old-fashioned style track with gravel runoffs and trees and, you know, not quite hay bales, but it looks in that way. You know, you compare it to some of the modern circuits like Abu Dhabi and Bahrain and places like that that are just concrete jungles. They're they're terrible. But it's good to be back at a proper racetrack with proper racing. Um, To start off the week, there was the Red Bull protesters against... um, the Mercedes uh, DAS system, the driver assist, or the dual axis steering, sorry. So uh, the idea being that um, the Mercedes drivers, by pulling the steering wheel towards them, can affect the uh, toe of the front tyres, which they say they mainly use to heat the tyres up to warm the tyres, uh, rather than typically, you know, to warm a tyres, you'll put, you brake, you'll heat it through the brake, so you'll be pumping the brakes and uh, and the like. And that does warm the tyres, but it wears them out a little bit quicker than um, actually adjusting the, the toe of the tyre and heating it that way. It's not a... It's a strange thing, really. This is not a, you know, golden bullet by any stretch of the imagination. The, the half a second that over a rel- relatively short lap, you know, the A1 Ross, so I keep going, Red Bull Ring is a what, one minute three, one minute four second lap for the top guys. You know, the, the, the time difference between the Mercedes and the Red Bulls and the, the, the rest of the teams, that's not due to this DAS system. There's a whole other raft of features and uh, and the like that are causing these differences. So um, if, if people think that this is going to make the change, then they're sorely misinformed. But that was a pretty yeah, I was, yeah, I was I was quite surprised that because uh, you know, we've known about the dual axis steering since preseason testing, there was a little, yeah. little bit of a rift about there. I, it kind of surprised me that Red Bull chose to protest right before the race, and then they well, the, then they backtracked a little bit and they said they just wanted a, a clarification. clarification. Yeah. But but we had so months and, months and months to to get this clarification. So well, no, you ah, no, this is the interesting thing. You, it didn't. The FIA have approved it is at each individual race up to the stewards to interpret the rules of the FIA. So you can't protest another car outside of a Grand Prix weekend. 
you can only protest a car's legality at a race. So the stewards will go through, and as as long as it you passes by the letter of the law, then they have to allow it. But then what can happen is a team such as Red Bull did here said, well, hang on, what does it really mean? What does the what do the rules really say? You know, is this verbiage? interpreted correctly that's what red bull were doing so they couldn't have done it at any other opportunity and okay that makes sense thank you yeah so mercedes is you know have 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 been doing this for the last two years and have been in consultation with the fia throughout the whole development process um so it's it's all you know there is this very gray way that rules are interpreted in formula one and it is up to excuse me the stewards each race weekend but once the stu- once a set of stewards have made a decision, then that is you know they can't keep going every weekend to eventually find some stewards that will approve you know will change their mind. So it's locked in now. That system is legal for the rest of the year. The rumours are the reason why Red Bull asks for cl- and typically you ask for clarification because you develop. There's rumours that Red Bull have their own system which will be fitted on the car this week uh, for the second Australian Grand Prix. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of it did follow uh, what we saw during pre-season testing, uh, even though that was 100-something days ago. Um, yeah, Ferrari were poor. I mean, Ferrari were very, very poor. Vettel even missed out on Q3 on pace. You know, not a an accident or a mechanical failure or, a, you know, some other set of circumstances. You know, that Ferrari did not get into Q3 purely on pace, which is, is unheard of. Uh, the, yeah, um, I heard that they were as much as seven-tenths of a yeah, second right. slower yeah. than the Mercedes seven, on the straights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. struggled on well, race pace, beating guys yeah. that he should be beating. I mean, well, partly we don't know what damage he got in that first quarter or second corner incident with uh, Carlos Sainz. Oh, yeah, when he got spun, but true. But, you know, I saw some numbers that all of the Honda, Mercedes, and Renault-powered teams were more than 1% relatively faster than they were at the first race of last season in comparison to leaders. All of the Ferrari engine teams lost ground as a percentage. You know, whatever they had going on with that engine last year, post, uh, where, God, where was it? Well, pr- the, the, the last race before the US Grand Prix in Austin, because that was when they suddenly went from being faster than Mercedes to, you know, they, they lost half a second a lap, if not more, with that engine clarification. And then this whole, oh, well, the FAA investigated it and they found some, you know, issues and Ferrari have agreed that we're not going to release the finding. That's really, really fishy. Something happened there. And this weekend just backed it up. Whatever Ferrari were doing with their engine, whether it was oil burning or they found a way around the fuel flow sensor, which was the rumor, whatever the FIA found and have subsequently banned, even though supposedly Ferrari weren't doing anything illegal, has had a huge impact on the performance of that Ferrari engine. And, um, you know, there's no wonder that Mercedes and Red Bull and people like that are still saying, look, we want to know what happened. And the FIA aren't telling them. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. Yeah, but but here's an interesting thing. Here's is that the FIA actually approved it. Sorry, they may have. They may have. Yeah, they've approved it, and then maybe 
you know, maybe it was somebody that... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't know, used to work for the FIA, approved it, and then he left and they got somebody else in, and this guy's like, whoa, hang on, we can't approve this, but oh, we already have, I I don't know, I don't know, just to try, I think the FIA are trying to save face, because I think they've probably screwed up here on the legality of that engine. Kind of sounds like it, and either way, you know, Ferrari is behind the curve with everybody else, so, but the interesting Massively. thing is, this, this race produced a podium um, with, um, Bottas, uh, Charles Leclerc, and yeah. um, Leonard Norris. And oddly enough, in the 70-year history of Formula 1, it's the first time that Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren have shared a podium. I find that to be quite an interesting stat. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's a very yeah. interesting one, yeah. It's considering... I think you may see it more and more over the next few years, though. You know, well, certainly, uh, yeah. I, I think like... I think McLaren's really up their game, and... and uh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be top of the top of the the B teams or the midfield. So, yeah, you would yeah. think it would have well, happened a decade point ago. Racing probably aren't going to be far off either. So, no. Or, if it I think it's going to be between those two for the fourth place. Yeah, I think probably. I think Ferrari will get it sorted. Ferrari supposedly fast tracking some of the upgrades which they were going to bring in two weeks. They're now going to bring to the second Austria race this coming weekend. So obviously Ferrari are in, in firefight mode understandably yeah. um, right right and, and the Haas team along with them, the Haas team just looked lost it's the yeah. typical season opener for Haas these honestly they oh, always yeah. have I mean, something I mean, go wrong well but you also you know, think how fast they were in Austria last year I mean again Ferrari engine probably has a, a big chunk of that difference differential there but you know I think Magnussen qualified like six there last year or something they had a great qualifying session in Austria so um, yeah, you know, Haas are, Haas are struggling a little bit. Um, well, the Haas, I, the Haas drivers are looking at the Williams cars. Well, I wish I could drive that. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> I know. Obviously, I've got a soft spot for those guys, but I was really impressed with both of the drivers. You know, George Russell throughout the weekend into qualifying. I mean, he was like seven thousandths of a second making it through to Q2 on pace, and he made a couple of little mistakes on that flying lap although everybody i'm sure can say that but then you know latifi started off with a difficult weekend he did spin in turn one in q in uh, fp3 and then you know they had to do a bit of a rebuild job to get it into qualifying so probably unsurprisingly he did you know finish bottom of the qualifying pile there but he had a great race stayed out of trouble didn't do anything stupid and, and almost nicked a point there at the end you know purely through through everybody oh. else's oh um, yeah he uh, you know, he finished 11th but yeah you just just missed the know, points yeah you you've got to 
you know, the saying is to, to finish first, first you must finish. But for Williams to finish tenth, first you must finish. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, he did what he had to do. And you've got to give the kid credit there. You know, that I think he would have probably been very nervous going into the race. He looked a little bit out of his depth. But then suddenly to turn it on in, in the race or have a solid race like that, huge amount of, uh, you know, kudos to the guy there. Um, it was fascinating to see Hamilton in a way, because all weekend Hamilton looked quick, you know, free practice one and two and three. All, I think he topped all three, all three free practice sessions. And then coming to the qualifying, I don't know. I don't know if Valtteri turned it on to get pole, but Hamilton just looked out. You know, he didn't look, he wasn't in that flow. And it looked a bit scrappy. And then, of course, there was the incident where Valtteri set, uh, you know, his fastest lap early on in Q3. And then um, Hamilton went out and was behind Bottas. Bottas ran wide through the gravel. Yellow flags came out and Hamilton subsequently got the three-place penalty for for failing to slow under yellow flags. It still wouldn't have given him pole, even if he, you know, because he he didn't lift and, you know, still came second. So, you know, Hamilton just didn't look on it during the, um, you know, during qualifying. And the race, I mean, he was, you know, yeah, he worked up to second, but, you know, expected him from third to get past. Um, you know, the, the the McLaren and the, the racing point pretty quickly, which he did. And then he was behind Verstappen, and then Verstappen had had his um, electrical issue. So It wasn't but, you know, his and, best showing, that's for, to say the least, no, for Hamilton. Was, and sometimes Hamilton has these weekends where, but, you know, he'll be doing quick, he'll be quick through free practice and then suddenly come, I don't know, it's almost like he ate something for lunch that didn't agree with him on the Saturday. You know, something just didn't click. And it was very, very strange to see. And um, I hope it, you know, um, I mean, obviously great for Valtteri. And once Valtteri was ahead in the race, there's no way that Mercedes were going to allow those two guys to race. Um, despite, despite what was being said on the radio. Um, so, you know, great result for Valtteri. Great result for the Mercedes team. Obviously still by far and away the dominant package. Um, some good performances throughout the, you know, the field. Difficult to really work out wherever he is with all the uh, ret- retirements. Um, but you know, go back there again next weekend for another great race. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're back in Austria again. So, do we want to make some picks for Austria round two? I say it's going to be a better turnaround for Hamilton. I think he pulls it off. I have Verstappen in second and Bottas in third with. Sergio Perez and around seventh. He had a great performance, but if it wasn't for that speeding penalty, who knows how he would have done. He's probably He was still going to end up sixth anyways, but at one point he looked pretty sporty of probably for that podium until a couple things just went haywire for him. All right, so now, Seth, you've been a little quiet. So uh, let's. Uh, you, you got a pick for Austria next week? Um, can you go with anyone other than a Mercedes? No. <laughs> well, you can, you can, you can, but you, you know. Uh, I think I'll go with Verstappen. Just. Yeah, I mean, you see, I mean, Verstappen was on the alternate strategy. Yeah, and, and, and he's, he's running well there. The way he did, and he'd been there. He could have leapfrogged both of those Mercedes and been on the soft tire at the end of the race. So. It would have been a positive, you know, it's terrible, you know, I feel so sorry for him because it probably, 
the, the the sort of sequences of the race probably played into his hands. He just was already on his way back home when they happened. All right, so Richard, who do you like for Austria next week? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bottas? I don't know. I, I, I'd love to see Valtteri you know, win the first two races. And, and that's the interesting thing we were talking about during the race. We don't know how many races there are this season. You know, one bad result, if it's an eight race, I think they need eight races to be an yeah, official world championship. So, so, you know, you retire. For, you know, if Verstappen retires this weekend, he's out of the championship. End mm-hmm. of story. And they haven't even yep. left the first race. You know, so um, let's let's throw Valtteri in there, or or let's yeah yeah let's go with that Valtteri. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, Richard, and say Valtteri goes back to back. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna prove why he needs that multi-year contract. So with that yeah. being said, Formula yep. One back in Austria next week, uh, Indianapolis. Uh, this past weekend we had um, the Indy cars. Uh, Xfinity and the Cup cars all sharing the circuit. Um, the uh, Xfinity cars and Indy cars both ran the road course. Uh, those races were polar opposites to one another. Um, yep. If uh, if you take a look at it, so uh, the, the Indy car race went down first, um, and it was uh, Scott Dixon who's uh, putting his mark on this season for sure. Um, I mean, you know, if if you uh, if you make a mistake and let Dixon get ahead of you, forget it. Um, the dude, uh, you know, it's just it's just incredible. He's he's now, I believe, just four or five wins away from passing Mario Andretti on the all-time list. And then, then he's going to be staring down A.J. Foyt for number one on that list. Uh, I don't know if uh, Scott's got enough uh, years left to get to 67 wins, but certainly Scott has just gotten better with age and the addition of Mike Cannon to that team. To, I mean, it was our, our friend Christopher DeHardy who back in our the IndyCar preview show said that once once Mike Cannon and uh, Dixon are together, they're going to be unbeatable. And so far they have. Now, the unfortunate uh, the timing of the yellow flag put some of the, the top guys uh, that were really doing well, namely Will Power and uh, Jack Harvey, um, they got mired in midfield. Uh, after after the yellow, but uh, the yellow benefited Dixon, and and once uh, Dixon gets that benefit, uh, you know he just ran away with the thing. Um, Graham Rahal was attempting a two-stop strategy that should have worked out really well for him, uh, but the the yellow obviously ruined his strategy as well. Now now Louise, I know you followed this race quite closely. Uh, what are your thoughts coming out of uh, the IndyCar Grand Prix? Well, to say that speaking of that caution, that is definitely the case for Graham Rahal. The caution for Oliver Askew, which was the only incident of the race, as well that plummeted him to from being top 10 in points to already 18, while Renus VK had a top five, a polar opposite from his horrendous debut race at Texas. I'm not going to shortcut it. It was pretty horrendous on his part. But overall, it's at this point, you're looking at Scott Dixon as the guy to beat. As a matter of fact, should Dixon go win Saturday, he'll be the first driver to go 3-0 and since Sebastian Bourdais did it in 06. And he should he sweep Road America. I know I'm a little bit ahead of us. Anything can happen with IndyCar, especially with a year ago. When I'll mention one driver up note regarding that circuit. He'll be the third to do so since Bourdais because he started off 4-0 and in 06. And A.J. Foy, who started 7-0 and in 64. And the way things are going, if strategy and certain yellows fall 
in a certain way is going to benefit Dixon. And I think you're right now. He's you got to beat him. And who knows about IndyCar season as well? Things could change. But right now, I'm looking at Alexander Rossi, who I believe I said he was my championship pick. He's not looking good right now. They're in a bad skid with the horrible with the ECU problem with Texas, and then with Indy, they just were off. Period. Yes, you like the whole Andretti team, save for Colton Herta. Was, yeah, he was had just, a quiet was just off. You know, I mean, Holton, yeah. I mean, Herder was there. Herder made the top six. He was, uh, he was, he was there. He had a decent finish, but the the rest of the Andretti team was just a, a kind of nowhere to be found. You know, which is, oh. which is odd. And this is this is two races in a row for Rossi and for Hunter Ray, both where they're just nowhere to be found. And these guys should be should be top contenders. Um, you know, and and yet Dixon is putting his stamp on this thing. The Penske cars have looked really good, uh, but they just haven't translated that to a win yet. I know we're only two races in, uh, heading to Road America. So and the cap to Simon Pagano because I was thinking he started 20th. I just, the way the before Askew's accident, I just did not see Pagano finding a way to get a podium. He was just barely hanging on to the top 15. As a matter of fact, he was just in the top 15. And then that caution fell right on his lap. All of a sudden, it just clicked and got better for him. So he was able to make moves when he needed to. And he could have probably gone by Graham if he had a couple more laps in him. Because, of course, the race used to be 85 laps. is now down to 80. So, But who knows how they would have raced with that change. But I yeah, feel and, like... And we do know this is one of Simon's favorite tracks. I mean, it's the site of his first um, IndyCar win. Uh, back with Schmidt Peterson years ago, and he's uh, won three times there at at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. So this uh, this track really suits his style, as as it does Will Power, who and, and Will really would have ran away with this thing if it weren't for getting mired after the caution. Yep, and the shot of four wins and also be four for four from starting on the pole was gone, and that and they had a pit problem, which last year he. There's been a trend every now and then the power pit road had not been kind to him when it comes to stalling his car or a lengthy stop. So some old demons came, kind of came back, which is unfortunate for Wells. But going into Road America, I feel like the if anybody that could beat Dixon, if there's one that has to deliver for sure, that is Rossi. If he does not deliver, we're looking similar to Verstappen. The championship quest is going to be out of hands for him. Yeah, with a, with a shorter season, yeah. I mean, Rossi needs to make something happen. He needs to make hey, He's got two races at Road America where he was dominant last year. I mean, he was he was untouchable last year. At Road yeah, America. Yeah, he was out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but again, you know, Dixon's won at Road America as well. Uh, so was Power, and all those guys are hungry for the you know for championship. And of course, you know, New Garden's been a little quiet this year, but he's been right up there. So we, we got to watch all these guys, but but some of these younger guys have really been impressive. Uh, Spencer Piggott had a great run um, oh, in yeah, Indianapolis, that was a you bump know. Deal for him. Yeah, bum deal for him. <laughs> yeah, and no, yeah, but uh, Askew uh, Askew was really good in qualifying, um, and he's shown the potential of that team. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are hoping for McLaren to fail because they're still. <laughs> upset about the Hinchcliffe thing, so but or, uh, 500 deep disaster as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the going to Road America. I mean, Road America is an interesting uh, circuit. It's one of my favorite tracks on the calendar. It has produced several first-time winners. Um, Hector Rabaque, Jacques Villeneuve, 
the other Jacques Villeneuve, um, Dario Franchitti, Bruno Gianquera, Alex Tagliani, uh, Christian Fittipaldi. All these guys won their first race at Road America. And when you look at the depth of talent with these young guys, we could certainly see a first-time winner, particularly that we've got two shots at it. Oh, most certainly. And sometimes those double-headers tend to favor uh, guys who haven't won. I even look back at Houston uh, or even Bell Isle. You'll have those every now and then. Uh, look at Carlos Huertas. That was for weather-related, but you never know when it comes to Car- those Yeah, Carlos Munoz won his first race in uh, Detroit. Again, weather-related. Yeah, but there's always something to look, to keep an eye on and see if that trend will – that weird trend continues at Road America, not just that at Iowa – so if there's a track, if there's part of the season where you'll see a first-time winner, I would not be surprised if it happens within the span of this week or next week. All right, so, Louise, you get to pick first. Pick two winners for Road America or one guy this week. Let's see. Race number one, I feel like it's going to go to Pagano. And race number two, I think the com- I think Colton Herta will put the pieces together from a year ago, not have any – because I was looking at the race from a year ago because that fella, so no one was, I didn't, I didn't fully see it as it happened. Herta could have probably had a good shot had he polished some sinks then and there, but now with a year under his belt, I think Herta will win the second one. Passion the first. All right. Now, Richard? Rossi and Power. Okay. And Seth? Uh, New Garden and Dixon. All right, and I'm going to say Dixon for race one, and I'm going to go out on a huge limb and say Pato for race two. So, Being a Hispanic, I don't know. If that, if that moment happens, I, I think I'll, I don't know, I'll probably jump out of my chair because I've been one. I, here's the thing. Being a Hispanic, I've never seen a greater moment for being a Hispanic to see a driver win. Obviously, with Perez, I feel like we're never going to see it, but with Pato, be interesting. Just saying. Oh man, the, the, the dude's got plenty of talent. Plenty of talent, and I think I think that team is better than people think. They, they certain they certainly had a nice showing at Indy, and even though it didn't it manifest itself in a fantastic yeah. result, um, oh, they, they yeah they certainly uh, certainly proved that they they belong there on the grid. So now Seth, the Xfinity race was the polar opposite of the IndyCar race with Dixon pulling out a 20-second lead. We had four or five guys beating and banging in the final laps. Yeah, the Xfinity race was, and not trying to make a dig at IndyCar, but the Xfinity race was actually exciting. Uh, You had Briscoe, Justin Haley, Noah Gregson, and A.J. Allmendinger, and Austin Sindrick battling out over the course of the final 10 laps uh, in a 10-lap shootout, essentially, because of a late race caution. Uh, and for a while, it looked like it was Briscoe's win, then he missed, I think it was turn seven, uh, fell behind both Sindrick and Almendinger, and on the next lap, with two to go, he made a three-wide move on the inside going into turn one, that brought everybody back together, and it to a certain point it was just a slam fest between them. But at the same time, uh, to see the stock cars going around that road course was an exciting uh, race to watch. You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: the Xfinity guys 
when they get on a road course, put on a heck of a show. They, they always do. It's always entertaining to watch, you know, whether it be at Mid-Ohio Road America or uh, or Canadian Tire Park with the trucks. Um, but And now the Indianapolis uh, road course. I mean, these guys just, on, on a road course, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, can't, it can't miss TV when, you're, when you put – what I, I consider the Indy Rokers an, an F1 track. The only difference is now they have that darn chicane of turns 13 and 14. But they always tend to do phenomenal shows at those long Rokers where people are thinking they're going to, they're gonna like for Road America, I don't think some felt that a four-mile Roker is going to bring some excitement. Look what it's done. It's been the polar opposite. Yeah, so some days I just uh, wish Xfinity would add about five more road courses because, you know, honestly, that that's a series that needs more eyes on it. Well, and unfortunately this year with the the pandemic, uh, some of the road courses might not take place. Uh, they still haven't announced whether they're going to reschedule Mid-Ohio, Road America. Uh, Watkins Glen is in danger of not happening uh, due to uh, the quarantine restrictions and might get replaced supposedly with the Daytona road course. So we might see a pretty big shuffling of the schedule. I know road Atlanta is also in play as is Sebring since they're both NASCAR owned. So we might see even some new tracks on the schedule uh, that I don't think were ever intended for a stock car. Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I think um, Road Atlanta would be a fine uh, track for the Xfinity cars. They've hosted a Trans Am, you know, the in Bush the series. Did, and and the Bush series the Bush ran there, series, yeah. Yeah, in the late 80s. Yeah. yeah, they've run there before. As I was saying about Sebring, if they've run there, boy, I'll tell you what, they're going to have to have a durable car for that one. That is for sure. That, and that's that's what I was saying as far as I don't know if that was ever intended for a stock car. Well, not yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Sebring and Road Road Atlanta are two different two different beasts entirely. So now now Richard, you uh you've worked in Xfinity some and you what were your thoughts mm-hmm. about this uh race at Indy? I mean this this is the first time we had a stock cars at the road course at Indy. Um I, I felt like uh you know, just watching the race is a pretty slam dunk as far as entertainment value was concerned. But uh, what are your thoughts coming out? I thought it was a good race, wasn't it? Um the only thing that sort of left a bit of a, a, a bitter taste in us was that silly, like, was it, um, who got that penalty? It wasn't, um... Sindrick. Austin Sindrick got that penalty when he was being pushed. That was a bit... Eh, he, I don't know about the, that. The problem is, yes, he was being pushed. If he had, if he hadn't have launched, uh, he wouldn't have gotten a penalty. If uh, Riley Hurts just kept pushing him the entire way, it would have been a non-factor. But because yeah. he did launch... That's what the penalty was for. True. No, I'm with you. But now I thought it was, it was a you know a good race, and uh, you know everybody sort of like um, what was it Chase um, Brisker said at the start of the year? How many races do you have to win? Eight, Eight or nine? And what's he up to he, now? Five. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that will happen, especially when you consider the 98 team that he's driving for this year was Cole Custer's double zero last year. So, and I think Custer won four or five races last year as well. So it's not that much of a surprise. No, yeah, if, but if I you just, think about it. 
Yeah, I, I think it was the whole statement that he made. It's like, okay. All right, so Xfinity is off next to Kentucky. Along For with two the, races. Two races, right, uh, uh, along with the trucks. Uh, I think the trucks are running two races as well, correct? No, uh, trucks are running one, uh, I think one. Yeah, uh, and, on Saturday. Yeah, along with ARCA and CUP. Oh, uh, ARCA, okay. Yeah, because I had read a communication from the Speedway that said they had five races this weekend. So, yeah, ARCA's the other one. All right, I got you. Um, again, no fans. Okay, that was the bummer about the um, the whole Brickyard uh, weekend because that would have been, uh, you know, with all, all those races going on in the different series, would have been nice to have fans there. But I guess we're slated for fans at Bristol for the All-Star race. Are there any other uh, plans to uh, have some fans at some New races Hampshire. coming up? New Hampshire? New, New Hampshire. Okay. I believe New Hampshire is 35% capacity. I, I want to say that's the number I've read. And I know uh, Bristol is 30% capacity or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Bristol, I, I think Bristol, they said 30,000 fans. Yeah, and, and I, I think mean, it could, You know, out of 150,000 yeah. seats, yeah, yeah, that'll be... And there's plenty of room to space people out of Bristol because it's uh, there's so many seats there, so... Um, but with no further ado, let's talk about the Brickyard 400, Seth, because I know you need to leave us in a moment to uh, take care of some iRacing stuff, so... Uh, Again, Goodyear tires are, are the it, culprit. It, 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 wasn't, um. <laughs> it, it wasn't the tire. It wasn't the tires, the camber of two specific teams, because if you look at which teams had issues, it was two of the Hendrick cars, the 24 and the 88, which they share a shop, and two of the Gibbs cars. No right. one else and, had and, issues. And we've had this discussion again and again and again. Um, that that Goodyear gives them a decent product and they give them recommendations. The team say, yeah, those recommendations are nice. We'll just set that aside in the file cabinet and do what we want to do. And then they end up. And Indianapolis, for some reason, I, I think because the track is diamond ground, eats up the Goodyear tires. And, and then when these teams are not, uh, you know, following all the guidelines and pressures for Goodyear, we have these issues and we saw – Oh, a couple of big ones that would, you know, cost Denny Hamlin the race for sure. Um, and uh, oh God, who was the other guy that had the, the big, big Eric Jones. Eric Jones. Eric Jones had a, a big crash when he lost a, lost a Goodyear tire. So. Uh, Alex Bowman had a decent sized one as well. Uh, William Byron, Byron at well least. But Byron's blew middle to backstretch, so he was able to slow down before yeah. getting to the corner. Uh, fortunately, the. All of them heavy shunts, that's what they were. And the Jones one, fortunately, we didn't see the roof cave in pretty bad, like with Atlantic Castle a year ago, because that was a heavy shunt. Yeah. All of them are typically at Indianapolis. Something mi- relatively minor, boom. And it, pretty mu- and it ends up pretty significant, no matter what car it is at the track. Yeah, Landon. I mean, uh, yeah, Danny hit the wall hard there, didn't they? Yeah, he, uh, mm-hmm. he didn't even knock up, didn't knock off the window or anything. So it, pretty much the absorption level would be wild. Yeah, and Denny had that race in the bag. Mm-hmm. He, he would have won that thing. So, but but instead it was Mr. Kevin Harvick. Is this victory number fifty-two for him? Is that right? I believe so, and it's his second at Indy. Uh, the last time he won at Indy was 2003, 17 years ago. Finishing second 
17 years ago, ironically, was Matt Kenseth who finished second this past weekend. And just for the fans and numbers, Kenseth was driving the 17 car back then. He drives a 42 car now. Back then, the car that finished third was the 42 car. Yep, McMurray had a shot, but he didn't get a great restart. And then Harvick just blew by him. And then a couple minutes, seconds later, you had that wreck with Labonte and I believe Skinner or Mike Wallace, whoever was driving the old one at that point. I think it might have been uh, Wallace, but back to uh, this past gonna, Yeah, be, right. back to the current decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other uh, thing is, uh, I believe this also is the third track that, or second track that Harvick has won in three separate decades in one way, shape, or form. Uh, because I think he won an IROC race or something uh, in the 2010s at Indy. I forget what it was. But going back I-Rock. to, uh, not IROC, um, Xfinity. Sorry. He um, did one a year ago. He won last year as well, Harvick, so that's three. I was going to mention that. Yeah, okay, so there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harvick's going back-to-back at the Brickyard the last two years. So, But but it, it, it seems to me, as I, you know, watching this, it seems to me that the uh, the H guys, uh, Hamlin and Harvick, are, are going to be the guys to beat down the line. Again, uh, we've talked about Kyle Busch. He, he, he finished in the top ten, but he was just kind of he was just kind of just there. Uh, uh, yeah, it was not a factor, but he was there. Uh, you know, he wasn't as off as he was at some of the other races. So, uh, but yeah, Harvin and Hamlick seem to be uh, the two strongest cars week in, week out. Uh, to quote, uh, to quote a friend who's working on a story uh, right now, it's the big two and who. The which, big two and who. As in, who is going to join them? At, uh, well, I was about to say Homestead. I should say Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, yeah. But uh, where we had the big three and me as in Joey Logano a few years ago, it almost feels like it's a similar story, but it's more focused on Harvick and Hamlin. Maybe Chase Elliott because he is there at times and then at other times, like this past weekend after the green flag pit stops, uh, the caution, I believe, for Bowman, uh, they called Chase back to pit road, forgetting he had just pitted. That they forgot he just pitted. He they they forgot he had just pitted. I don't know. I don't know. Some sound like somebody got them Coronas. So, well, I mean, when you go with the, the big what, the big two and who, I mean, you you got to look at. Um, both the Penske guys have been good. All three of the Penske yeah. guys have been good, but the top two guys, uh, Joey and Brad, have certainly been quite strong this year. They both won races. Uh, there, there are certainly going to be out there. Truex has not been far off. He's he's won this year, so that's uh, that's, that's another guy who might be there in that top four. So, Blaney yeah. as well should yeah. should they get more wins under their belt. And speaking of Blaney, I do want to touch on this uh, real quick before I have to. Uh, leave for other commitments. Uh, Blaney was involved, or at least his crew, was involved in incident on pit road during the competition caution early in the race. Uh, Michael McDowell had slowed to get into his pit stall early uh, as the entire field was on pit road. 
and seven cars crashed on pit road with Brennan Poole clipping the right rear tire or well the rear tire changer uh Zach Price on Blaney's crew. Well, he didn't really clip him. He yeah, wiped it, him out. Yeah. yeah that, that was yeah. a very that was a very scary incident. It, it sure it, was. It was. I, scary I watched and frustrating at the fact and I'll mention more about that in a sec. All right, now uh, Seth, Seth, I need I know you need to run. So, but go ahead and make your make your uh, pick for a uh, Kentucky uh, Cup winner. Kyle Busch. Okay, Kyle Busch is going to come back at it. All right, Seth, uh, appreciate you joining us. I know you got to run and, and take care of your, your iRace you're covering tonight. So uh, tell us real quick about the uh, race you're covering tonight. Uh, it's the iRacing Road to Pro Series, which will help determine the Coca-Cola Series next year. All right, well, fantastic. Have a great time, Seth. Thanks for joining us. I, I know that your time was um, limited, and I really appreciate you uh, giving the time to us uh, like you do week in and week out. Now, Richard, who do you like for Cup in Kentucky? I mean, it's one or two guys, isn't it? Um, I mean, let's, 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 let's throw a, a curve into it. Let's uh, Alex Bowman. Oh, okay. okay. That, that is a was, curve, yeah. So now, Louise, what do you think about Kentucky? I was gonna, I was gonna mention Alex Bowman. I was thinking also as well, but I feel like this time around it's gonna be an Eric Jones winning that one. Barring reliability, this is a dip. This is the thing. It's gonna be hot and warm. It's gonna be a daytime. Fingers crossed. No weather problems this time on Sunday. Oh, I live in Kentucky. There'll be a, there'll be a shower in the middle of the race. Of course so. it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it'll be a short one. It'll dry up quickly. You know what I mean? In, in Kentucky, if you don't like the weather, you just wait 15 minutes. Uh, that's kind of how it works. So, yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to be a shower there. Uh, me, I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to go with Logano. He's had some – he has – he's had some good runs at Kentucky. Um uh, you know, Keselowski's won a couple times there, but I, so for some reason, I just want to go with Joey, so uh, we'll go with Joey Logano. So we've got about 18 minutes left in the show, and I know you guys want to talk about the president's tweet and the response uh, stuff. I don't want to talk about. I honestly but, have uh, no comment on that. I want to yeah. add on to the Blaney ordeal. So, okay, let's talk about the Blaney like, ordeal. That's even like, better because I, like, I don't I like want to talk about the president's tweet either. Yeah. I like my green card, so we're going to leave it there. Okay, all right, good, good. Okay, so that's off the table. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, let's talk about Blaney. Um, Louise, you go right ahead. Yeah, the part of the frustration aspect of that ordeal or for me personally, it was not because, not because the red flag had to be brought out. It was more or less uh, – it's just the fact that uh, – what what just happened? I get Indianapolis is very tight and narrow pit stops, and then what Drew Blickenstorfer and Michael McDowell's crew chief said uh, that might have played a role is that the fact that the spotters are not at their usual area, which is the pagoda, because of the COVID ordeal. So that put him in a very difficult situation. You saw something like that happen, and the frustration. The one thing that upset me when I saw the thing unfold, it was like. Fortunately, he was okay. He gave the thumbs up. It's finally looks like he's going to have a speedy recovery. It's just the fact that it gave me a very semi-nightmare reminder of what happened to Mike Rich at Atlanta in 1990 when Rudd spun and it killed one of Bill Elliott's crew members. But that was at a time when there was no speed limit. I was worried we're going to see something similar again. I was thinking, 
Yeah, and that that was the that was the impetus to in you know when they first came out with this pit pit road speed limit. The pits used to be nuts back then, you know, and I yeah. I, I I watched a lot of races then. I, I was I was in the pits at a lot of races then. Uh, well, that's when I was working some some PR, and it was uh, yeah, it was a crazy time. So uh, the pit road yeah. speed limit is one of the things that uh, was a direct result of that uh, Bill Elliott. Um, Situability, crew member situation in Atlanta. Yeah, I looked over with Days of Thunder to see a good representation of what it was. Even back then, they used to pit. Once the caution come out, pit, you know, everybody jumped to the pits immediately. And then you have this cat and mouse game to see how quick can you get out. It was nerve-wracking looking at it, being a very young person. But fortunately, he was okay. But it makes you wonder how if, if – Fortunately, everything else went smoothly afterwards. I think once they found out what happened, they knew they had to step up their game because this was partially on spotters and partially just how narrow Pit Road is. And some people are wanting it to make it move the the pylon and everything further. I don't know how Roger and those guys are going to pull such thing off. It has a unique characteristic, but something like that, I was just like, I okay, I I seen firsthand. Something like that happened at Sonoma in 2013 with Polly Haraka and Alex Kennedy and David Rudiman. But in uh, in the middle of the action, something like that, that wiped out Martin Shrek Jr., Justin Allgaier, and others. It's like, really? As if it's bad enough that the race is starting very late. Something like that could have probably killed somebody, and who knows how long a stoppage would have been for it. Fortunately, it was just under 15 minutes, and we know he's going to be okay. But, man. How about those 4 p.m. starting times, guys? Well, I mean, if it doesn't rain, that's okay. You know what I mean? So we're, and there's no lights at the speedway. But uh, I mean, back to your I thought did, about, uh, about I the. Did, I did see a. Sorry, very quickly. I did see a, a comment that somebody put somebody put a comment saying, uh, we haven't had any rain in Michigan for weeks. Can we just host a NASCAR race? Because that will guarantee us some rain right now. And that's yep, being yep. rumored to have a doubleheader as well. So if it happens in August. Be hot up there, yeah. So, so anyway, but back to your comment about the the, the pit lane at Indy. It is kind of interesting. That Indy is one of the largest and widest tracks, but but has one of the narrowest pit lanes um, for a NASCAR track. And also, back in the day, had uh, I, I want to say, I, yeah, well, I want to yeah. say it's the it's the second narrow. I think only Martinsville has a narrower pit lane than Indy, which is odd because Indy's got you know so wide of a track. Uh, so I don't know if uh, Rogers is going to do anything with that with with his. I mean, it's always worked fine I mean, for the Indy cars because the Indy cars are much I smaller. Think the only thing they could the only thing they could do is, is build a second garage flex on the back stretch for them because I don't think there's any way they could build anything on the front stretch and maintain the the um, you know current start finish line configuration uh, because from what I can remember there's between the back of the pit wall and I guess what was used as the garages for the Formula One, you know, back in the Formula One days, there's not that much room there. So they couldn't move the pit, the inside of the pit road any further back. So, no, no, there's, uh, there's, I mean, without doing major tearing stuff up, you know, taking out grandstands and the pagoda, yeah. you're not going to do a lot on the front stretch, you know, but, but, but literally when they added those Formula One garages, it, it narrowed the pit lane. And it just, I mean, it is what it is. So you got to tell these guys don't think, cr- crash into six guys on the way into pits. And um, 
I, I think I know what, what Rod, Roger would rather have racing there if it came to the crunch. Certainly, certainly, yeah. So, and speaking of which, the the Formula One as they're still trying to, um, you know, figure everything out with this season. There's still a lot up in flux for Formula One season. Their schedule is still very fluid, but the the, the thought of the U.S. Grand Prix at Indianapolis keeps coming back up. You know, the garages are still there. The the road course circuit is still there. Um, Richard, what what odds do you give this of, of actually happening? In, in 2020? Well, they've already said they're not... Well, they haven't said... I don't think anybody's keen to come to the U.S. right now. End the story. Um, I don't think we'll see a U.S. race this year. I don't think we'll see a Brazil race this year, given the current um, health situation of the two countries. We may well see Mexico, if they've got things under control. I think Canada's already off, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Canada's, Canada's gone. Yeah, Canada's been scrubbed. Oh, um, I, I think I think they would far rather. I, I just don't think they want to take the risk. I think they'd far rather concentrate on, you know, there's been talk about places like uh, Mugello and Imola hosting races post Monza. I think they'd far rather concentrate their efforts on those events than run the huge, huge risk. At the moment, anyway, who knows what's going to happen, but the trends aren't looking positive, let's put it that way. But no, they are could be they happening. Aren't. And, I mean, yeah. you'd be looking at September, October time for a race. Um, I think from a... Uh, who, who knows what's going to happen, but the logistics and the preparation required to get those events up and running on a given date, you're going to need at least probably six to eight weeks. So, say you're running a race early September, you've probably got two or three weeks to make that call, and in all fairness, I can't see it changing particularly quickly, so... Yeah, I mean, especially if they're going to run it, especially if they're going to run it without fans, you you know, you might as well just just stay over on the the other side of the pond, you know, rather than than risk all the travel. Yeah, Yeah, that's the point of problem. But realistically, okay, so now... Roger is kind of pushing for this. Hey, you know, we, we've got this nice Grand Prix circuit here in Indianapolis, and uh, we, we, we know Coda's in some trouble, some financial trouble. Yep. Uh, and probably funding from the state is – is it was reduced in past years. It, it may be totally gone going forward. Do, you, do yeah. you see maybe the U.S. Grand Prix returning in Indianapolis? I think from a uh, – we used the phrase earlier, didn't we? A romance standpoint. I think it would be great for it to go back to Indy. In all fairness, there were never great races. You know, it's not the most um, appealing track on the calendar. If you, you know, if you're with me, it's it's a little bit sort of like point and shoot. What I would call it, describe as a point and shoot track. Uh, you know, especially into the current configuration that they've been using for the uh, IndyCar series. Um, personally, I think that Coda is a far better circuit uh, yep. than the. Indy GP track um, and of course you know you're trying to get schedules written for 2021 and 22 and beyond um, you know of course in the US different to a lot of other countries you have the political climate to consider and who is responsible for controlling the finances uh, within the state and, and going into Coda so it'll be very very interesting to see what happens there um, yeah, I, I just I, think I, I mean as, as a turnkey situation for short term Indianapolis makes, yeah, it makes a whole yeah. lot more sense than trying to 
do something in Miami I, I would, or, yes. you know, or the, the failed yeah. Grand, Grand Prix of New Jersey they try to put up. I'm like, you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to try to do something and get through red, red tape in, in New York, oh, New York, you, New, New Jersey. In, in a Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. There's too many, there's um, too many palms, too many palms degrees, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think that, um, you know, the, the, the problem is this is, you know, there is a, there's a finite number of race weekends you can have in a season and, the number of tracks out there that are suitable for Formula One races is, is, is far higher than the number of weekend slots. You know, there's a lot of talk of, well, you could have a double header, you know, Indy one weekend and then Coda the following. But then you throw Mexico into it and you've already been to China, uh, to Canada as well earlier in the season. That's a t- typical date. And then you've got to go to Brazil. and You know, you, you start, you know, you almost, if you have that at the end of your European season be- before the Asian sort of wrap-up season or Middle East wrap-up season, you know, you said, well, that's probably, you know, for some of the guys, that's like a month away from home, which is what they do at the start of the season. So that, uh, that's two solid months in blocks that, you know, some of the guys will be away from home. And, you, you know, this isn't NASCAR where you finish a race at six o'clock in the evening and most of the guys are in their own bed at 10 o'clock that night. You know, this is, this is far, far, you know, greater logistics. So as much as I'd love to see at least two races in the U.S. Uh, well, I know, well see, Liberty Media is keen on having a, a second U.S. Grand Prix. You know, of course, uh, of course, of course the they won yeah, twenty-five they, races. Yeah, yeah. So, but they, but I don't know. It is what it is. We'll see. You know, maybe you, you, the only way I could see it working is you'd have a double header with Canada and Cota, and then a double header with Indy and Mexico. Because I don't think you could have a double header with. Indy and Canada because Canada is normally just after the Indy 500, isn't it? So you've got to break from the fans' perspective. You know, if you turn around to somebody that lives in Indianapolis or goes to those events and say, right, you've got, you know, the NASCAR race in July, you've got the India, or, or, well, I don't know when it's supposed to be typically, but, you know, you, you'd have, of course, this year's completely messed up, isn't it? But, you know, you, you, would you want to do the 500 and then the Formula One race within a month of each other? That's a lot of expense for people. So you'd maybe mm-hmm. split those up that way. Um, who knows? Who knows? But I, who I knows? Yeah. Who knows? But we got about we got about ten yeah. seconds left in the show. Oh boy! So any, anybody got a final thought on anything? Um, Thank goodness the Kentucky races at two p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a little bummed out. That's my home track, and I'll be. Sitting at the house watching it on TV uh, with and, no uh, fans, the, no uh, fans, and no and no media. I'm bummed too because I could be at Road America, but I'll be at home in Washington instead, following Bo. If the uh, if if the U.S. Olympic team are looking for a new entrant into the high jump competition, they just need to look at Ryan and Blaney's Jackman. There you go. <laughs> that was a hell of a jump. That was a hell of a jump. Oh, All right. <laughs> yep. Now I remember. Jump straight on the roof. That takes some doing. Yeah, hey, you, you got to get out of the way. You got to get out of oh, the way, yeah. right? You All right, so uh, <laughs> so I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank you, Richard. Uh, Seth, who's already left us, I want to thank Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network for carrying us. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, and Google Podcast. And I want to thank you folks that listen to us week in and week out. Until next week, good night. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-C-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-C-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-C-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-C-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-C
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.